This is the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. Three, two, one. And welcome everybody to this episode of Coming Home with John Allen. I am your humble host, humble but excited host, John Allen. Uh, Before we get started, I want to remind you that if you're listening on a podcast platform or if you're watching on YouTube, if you look in the episode description, you'll see several links that you can click into to support the work that I do for you, but also for myself. I just love this and uh, I really appreciate your support. Now, Lisa Strum. (laughs) Hi. Hi. Quite, quite the excitement on my part. No, I, I have to give a shout out immediately to Jeff Wasserman. and it's his fault. Yeah, <laughs> that we, it's all his fault. I saw he posted that you, um, uh, a friend of his, you, you, you have this book coming out, and that resonated with me because I'm in the writing process right now for my first book. And what also resonated is just Jeff is just, he's just a good guy. Yeah, he is. And I figure anyone that he gives a shout out to, they Aww. must be a good person. Aww. So oh, nice. nothing but good vibes for you, and uh, it's all Jeff's fault. But thank you so much for being here. No, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Now, yeah. you're just a few days away from your book release. Yeah, yeah. T- tell me about like this. Like a week now, away. How does that feel? It feels so good because... That sense of accomplishment. Yeah. It's done. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. I actually finished this book about three years ago. Tell, tell us the name first. It's called The Hall of the Mountain King. There it is and for everybody is. watching. Yeah. Oh, beautiful cover ah beautiful very well done yeah um hall of the mountain king now i hear a little bit of fairy tale mysticism yeah you know is is it uh is it that mountain king yes yes it is that mountain king yeah now i don't like to like i don't like to ask artists you know where do you get your ideas from but there must be a very significant source of inspiration for this yes um i've my first book, The Strawberry Girl, was about Edvard Munch and about his art. My favorite artist. Yeah, yeah. and Fascinating. I loved that. And I realized I was probably quite well placed to, to write about him as an observer with a different perspective, you know, from well the UK and being living in Norway. I was kind of close to it, but not Norwegian. So but that I geographical think, thing, it yeah, kind of, yeah, you're kind of like me then. When you got here, you started, okay, let me find out about Norway. I don't want to just yes. be here. I want to immerse myself. Is that kind of kind of that? I mean, I was when I first moved here, I had a I was pregnant with my second child. So I had a little girl and I was pregnant with my son. So I was just really busy getting yeah. on with all of that. And I found like people like Edvard Munch and cultural <clears throat> stuff. It's there in the background, oh, obviously yes. always. And I think it just kind of went in through some sort of osmosis. I didn't go looking for it. It was uh, just kind of there. He's on the money sometimes. He's, you know, he's like... <laughs> well, see, Monk did something for me long before I met my Norwegian wife. Right. There's just something about his work that was just different. It yeah. stood out. Yeah, yeah. yeah so definitely. then it, was, it just was an extra cool thing mm. about living here once I came here. Yeah, that so, he, he was part of it. Yeah, you know? I know, and I think for me it was when the scream sold... I can't remember when even now, maybe it was 2011. <sighs> and it was for some kind of record-breaking, like $120 million or something. Wasn't it like 140 years. something yeah. million, something like it that, was, crazy yeah, amount. crazy yeah, amount, yeah. especially when you consider what it is. It's, it's on a piece of cardboard <laughs> and it has like bird poo all over yeah. it. And it's, you know, it, for what that is, the amount of money, I think that kind of woke me up yeah. a yeah. lot to him. And I was like, why? But, but isn't that the beauty of art? It doesn't have to be this fancy, yeah. uh, uh, you know, 
square, a fiat account, as they say here, no, yeah. the square thing that fits into a pattern. No. It can be something as crazy as a piece of cardboard with bird poop on yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, because yeah. He, he was like one of the first artists ever to really express himself emotionally yeah. in his painting. Yeah. And so he wanted... It's quite his, psychological, oh, this yeah. process. Absolutely. He, he wanted his paintings to be alive like we are, so he would leave them outside. That's why it's got bird shit on it, yeah. because he left it outside. He wanted the rain on them. He, he wanted them to sort of live and breathe and change the, yeah. the way we do. Yeah. And so, yeah, he was he was really uh, sort of revolutionary, really, in, in the process. So... Um, what year did he paint that... Uh, he, uh, he painted the first version uh, of the scream in 1893. 1893. Then there are several versions yes. afterwards. I think there's yeah. about four or five different versions. I wonder what made. I've always wondered what made him continue painting that. Well, maybe Why? it's this evolution, this whole change, these ideas, and also different mediums. I mean, some of it is in paint. That's true. Some of it is in like it's uh, the medium. So he probably got stimulation each time he did. Yeah, it was and a he new did like wood insight. cuts. Yeah. Did, I mean, he was so creative. He was um, prolific. And, but I think it came at a cost for him in that he couldn't really have relationships. He couldn't really give his life to anything else. The price his work. of art creation. Yeah. It kind of, at the same time as it opens doors, it can also isolate one. Oh, yes. I'm yeah. thinking about, you know, and we're going to get into this, the whole writing process. But mm. uh, at this point in my writing process, I'm almost daily recognizing that I'm losing contact with friends. Mm-hmm people who I care mm -hmm. about, but because I'm into this process and I have to, I have to listen to the muse when she calls, I've got to listen. Right. And right. when she calls, sometimes that means I have to ignore the calls, literally mm. the telephone calls yeah. from friends. Yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. Did you, do you experience that? Yeah, sort of. I mean, or are you better than me? Are you able to no, partition? There's, because there's, I, I, I feel no like better. I'm, well, I, I feel like I'm lacking some kind of organizational skills. That's, well, I think that's the thing. I think Did once, you feel that at, once at all? I, once I made the commitment, once I got my fir first got my agent, then I think I decided, right, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And then I structured my day because um, I have family and everything. I couldn't just disappear. Um, I structured my day so that I work. I work from nine till one every day. And that's okay. it. And during that time, I'm working. But I have had phases where it's really been intense and I haven't yeah. spoken to friends for months, you know, and I've just oh. been really going for it. But I learned after a while because it affects your health it affects everything if you if you only feed the the art i've only recently found my solution to that social thing that kind of deteriorates and that is to tell my friends mm -hmm. why mm -hmm. and i found out that oh i'm so glad i told him or told her that yeah. this is the reason yeah. why i haven't been around yeah. i had a good friend who had a release concert last night for his album mm -hmm. and i had to call him and say man i just can't make it i've i've I'm tired. Yeah. I have a podcast in the morning and, <laughs> it's all my and I have to, and I have to, yeah, it's all shame on you. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I found that rather than just stressing about whether or not the friends are offended or worried or wondering or angry, I just tell them and it's like, Oh, okay, man, that's cool. And things are fine. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. think you find that the good ones stay anyway. It doesn't matter. Well, isn't that the truth? Yeah. yeah. Real friends will understand. Well, yeah. real friends know what you're doing in the yeah. first place. You don't yeah. have to explain. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. 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 So they'll stick around. So th the Hall of the Mountain King. Yeah. This is, I mean, it's it's similar to um, your first book because yes. it's you who wrote it. And yet this is something different. Yeah. Uh, I got a chance to see uh, uh, the first three chapters. Um, this is different than your first book. Yeah. 
can you tell me about that? Why is it different? Do you feel it's different? Maybe I'm oh, wrong. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I do. They're very similar. I think they're like brother and sister yeah, in a yeah, way. Yeah. Um, they're different because of the artistic medium. The first one, I mentioned it <clears throat> because it was about art, painting, the artistic medium, and this one is music. Yeah. So, um, and and also they are set in different locations. Yes. So the dr- dramatic mountains, you know, that whole... It's different to the beach. It really creates an image. Yeah, yeah. The way you've written this, at oh, least from what I've seen nice. so far, it really creates an image. And again, with this beautiful cover, uh, this kind of <laughs> spot the troll. It kind of puts things. See now you shouldn't you shouldn't have told them. You shouldn't have told. <laughs> no, uh, take a look at this cover. There is there is I don't want to say a hidden message, but it's quite uh, the abstract image to where uh, the challenge is out there to look at it and see what you see. Mm-hmm. I'll zoom in on a close-up and we'll see what people say about yeah. this. The Hall of the Mountain King. Okay. Yeah. M- music. Are you so, a musician? Um, or where did this I music... I love music. You lo- you're a music lover. I wouldn't say... Yes. Yeah. I mean, I used to sing a little bit. My daughter's a musician. She sings. She's a singer. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's, it's a massive part of my makeup music. Yeah. Always has been. So having, um, having investigated Monk and Art... I think that it was a natural step to find another creative yeah. cultural figure in Norway and music. I love it so much that Grieg seemed to be a kind of obvious choice. I when, I, when I think of Norwegian music, Norwegian with capital letters, Norwegian music, I can't help but think of Grieg. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. is, his work to me is the definition of Norway. Well, he traveled, well, did he travel? He went around, he, he found folk music and, yeah. and was inspired by that. And uh, in the same way, I suppose, as like Ospjensen and Moore would have found yeah. folk stories and written them down. And so his music did have a lot of, um, yeah, folk-inspired yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's, uh, I see a lot of imagery in his music, kind of like if it, like it is with your book. It just creates this image of Norway, you know, the fjords, the mountains, the snow. The trolls, yeah. the woodlands. Yeah, well, he was commissioned. It's in his music. Um, yes, very much. And in, in this particular, I suppose this book is very much influenced by Per Gint. Yeah. I can't say Per Gint. I have to teach myself how to say it wrong. <laughs> say it a thousand <laughs> times daily. You'll yeah. get it. <laughs> I mean, it just once you know the way it's pronounced, you just can't go back. <sighs> how, how is your Norwegian, though? It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Do you, been... you, and you speak, you, do you speak it at home? No. No. You're like no, me. No, no, no. When I in these four walls, I have to breathe out, yeah. lower my shoulders, yeah. and be myself, and I can't do that when I. Speak I mean, I, I would never have dreamed of speaking Norwegian to my kids. And no. th- when I got to know my husband, we got to know each other in English. I couldn't speak Norwegian then. So same thing. It's almost like when I look at his face, it's English I speak. When I met Snoopy, we met uh, in Chicago, so we were speaking English. And then when we moved here after we got married, we lived there for a couple more years and moved here, and then tried to speak Norwegian so that I could learn and it just was weird. Yeah, it's too weird. Like, who is this woman babbling yeah. at me? That's not who I'm married. And also, I have this big thing where I don't feel like myself in Norwegian. Exactly, like, yeah. I, I have to be myself and I'm quite fluent. I'm very proud of it. Yeah. I, I And I love the language. It's yeah. a beautiful thing, but I can't be 100% John Allen when I'm speaking it. Mm. And it's such a strange thing how connected we are to language. I know. It's really funny. Yeah. I don't feel I can fully be myself. And I think a lot to do with like humor and oh, n- yes. nuances and yes, the yeah. British humor. Well, I do, so my, well, I do my stand-up comedy routine in Did English. I can, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, my yeah. God. I have I, to see that. Oh, it's, uh, it's different than this. I'll tell you that. <laughs> 
um, but it's it's um, I, I never even considered doing it in Norwegian. No, oh, again, you, I no. have to be myself. And, and also you miss, it wouldn't translate. Well, the poetry of the languages is so different, and yeah. it wouldn't it wouldn't translate. You know, I have these thoughts, and they're in English. Mm-hmm. And how do I put that into Norwegian? No. The thought would be something at something else was, by the time I, it came out of my mouth. I so. think that would be impossible. I always like marvel at like Eddie Izzard, who's one of my comedy heroes, when he does a show in French, and I think he's tried it in German, and it's quite fascinating. How you know? I'm sure it's still really <laughs> hilarious because he's. Well, that, that's, that's a true artist right there. That's, mm. a, that's a professional who's able to do that. Yeah. Um, uh, well, maybe professional is the wrong word. I mean, he is a professional, but mm. there's something in that thought process, that creative process, if you're able to pull that off in several languages. God, yeah. So hats off. Amazing. I couldn't do it. I could never. I feel in Norwegian, your mouth changes shape so much. You've also got to well, yeah, think it's about the, it in a way, like the E and the... E and E uh and all. Mm. Yeah, it's, and it's, and yeah. Do that yeah. again. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, uh, it is a... In, I, I think, and I've thought about this, that I think the way your mouth has to change shape, because you know you look different, it makes you feel different. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. that's what I've always thought. Yeah, yeah. I think that it's that, that's the case for me anyway. But you know, mm. if I say hi, or if I say hey, you yeah, know, you see what happens with yeah, my face? Different. Two totally yeah. different faces, mm-hmm. and that's a different guy. Yeah, that's a different guy altogether. I think you have to be here and have gone through what we've gone through, I suppose, to understand all these little intricacies. What, what have you gone through? What was that oh, process like? <laughs> what was that process like for you coming from? Where Where exactly are you from? What I'm city? A, I'm originally from West Yorkshire in England. West Yorkshire. And then I moved to Scotland when I was 10. So I've oh, yeah. been in Glasgow for many years before I came here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think you told me that over the phone. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't hear any of the Scottish in No, some accent. people do. I'm a bit like... Maybe it'll come out from I time to time. I feel that like Henry Higgins would have a field day with me trying to figure <laughs> out where exactly <laughs> does she come from. It's, um, um, yeah, I suppose you get a kind of inter- international voice when you've moved around a lot like I have. And, okay. Yeah, I don't know. So you met your husband... We met in Glasgow. In Glasgow. At university, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was it uh, was it one of those love at first sight things? I can't wait to move to Norway with this guy. Oh or no! Was it a long? Pro- <laughs> was it a long? I don't process? mean that in a negative way. But, uh, I was actually together with his flatmate, and so oh, really, yeah, <laughs> that was awkward. Hey, hats off to you, man! Finished. You worked your way in. <laughs> Finished with him. He had him. a plan, huh? Yeah. <laughs> or did you have a plan? <laughs> I, I, didn't. I totally didn't. Oh, um, I'm being mean now. No, it's like no, it's fine. <laughs> so I think we were friends for a while before we actually got together. And I mean, I wouldn't say that I didn't know where Norway was, but I didn't know a hell of a lot about Norway. Same here. I didn't know much about it at all. And and he'd studied a long time ago. He'd spent a year in Texas. So when I met him, he was like, really, y'all? How y'all doing? I just thought he was American, you know? So Um, he really picked up. Oh, he was really Texas. That's what Texas does to one. Yeah. But again, not anymore. He sort of lost that a bit now. But anyway. um, Good. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was American and then obviously got to know him and then got to know more about Norway then, but I didn't really know much. Norway, they ha- to me it's charming. Some people, uh, other Americans in Norway, for example, talk about it as an irritating thing about being here in Norway. But Norwegians have this, what I think is a charming, uh, uh, well, I guess it can be annoying, where they build up the significance, the influence, the importance of Norway on an international basis. Right. Norway's not that big of a country. Norway isn't really a hands-on country when it comes to international politics. No. 
I haven't actually experienced that, what you just said. Uh, well, doing this podcast and, and at times talking about politics, mm. I'm fascinated by what some Norwegians can say about right. about the influence that Norway has on an okay. international basis. And it's it's very interesting. But then I can apply the same thing to my countrymen in the United States, where they have a tendency. You see, I've separated myself. They have a tendency. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> to, one of them. To, 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 you know, America is the oh, yeah. leader. I mean, America is the nation. Yeah. Um, but I tell you, perspective has a lot to say about yeah. those things. You know, stepping away and being here mm-hmm. for 20 years and looking back home. I see a different America. Oh, yeah, you will do. Do you do the same thing with, uh, with the UK. England, UK, Great Britain? Um, yeah, I mean, yes, because the country's changed so much, obviously. But I think a little bit about what we were talking about on the phone. Like, I have a romantic memory image yeah. of my childhood. That's right. We talked about England. possibly missing missing a homeland missing, that doesn't exist doesn't, anymore. No. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, part some of it does... Um, but um, other parts of it doesn't exist anymore. Um, oh. But it is very interesting. I find living in a different country and looking back at your home country with the eyes of being here oh. and the way I see it and and um, compared to the way my friends and family see it, living there yeah. uh, is, is different. And, um, well, it's a learning process. Every time I have a conversation with, I don't really talk politics with anybody back home except for my mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, she used to work for the federal government, so right. she's still kind of, she's retired, but she's still kind of plugged in. And, uh, yeah, we see things differently. Mm-hmm. Again, that perspective is a new perspective. I don't think you could possibly be an American and live in Norway for as long as you have and not have a different perspective on your country now. Well, uh, my uh, high school class is having a reunion uh, yesterday and today. Oh, right. So they FaceTimed me. They were taking a tour of the new high school that's been built. Uh, one of my classmates owns the construction company that built the new high school right. so they were taking a tour of it and you know facetime and i'm seeing friends that i haven't seen in you know o- over 30 years and um it really uh, I, I sat up for several hours after this was like at 11 o'clock at night here and i sat up till maybe three o'clock just reminiscing and thinking about these are the people that i used to play with as a child and I still remember them as those children, but here they are, you know, they're losing their hair, they're gray, they've gained weight, lost weight, they have families and kids, mm-hmm. and they have 30-some years of American experience that I don't have. Yeah. So who am I missing? What am I missing? You know, mm. it's, all, it's all a memory. Mm. There's something poetic, slightly sad about that, but it's a reality. It's very interesting to, to think on it. That's just nostalgia, isn't it? And yeah. I think the older you get, you're more drawn back to those things. I think um, so. And yeah. I think that's a healthy thing. Yeah. I introspection. Think it leads that. to introspection. Yeah. It leads to, you know, kind of charting your, your path. You know, where have I changed? Mm-hmm. How much have I grown or not? Yeah, exactly. You know? yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, it does. And and also to see how much, how much of what well, in me anyway is still very much... UK, British, the, the humour, you know, the... the have, you, have you picked up uh, Norwegian citizenship? I'm in the process. You are, okay. Yeah, which takes, by the way, two years. <laughs> I, I have thought off and on about doing that, but there's this identity thing that says, no, don't do it. You'd keep... I, I did it because of Brexit. 
Well, um, yeah, and the reason why I'm thinking about it more is because now we can have, as Americans, we can have dual citizenship. Yes. That wasn't the case no, before. No, me too. So, so I can have dual now. Yeah, and it kind of opens up, again, perspective. It opens up a new viewpoint of possibilities. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, it's quite, it was quite astonishing for me recently when I was going to the UK and I had to join the huge queue of people from all over the world and I couldn't just it's, go through yeah. with my husband anymore. Yeah. And the family gets split up. So that's one of the reasons why I, I decided to do the citizenship. That is a weird feeling at those airports, those big yeah. international airports, and you go to this line and they go to that line. Yeah. It's like, am I ever going to see them? I know. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we traveled in, um, I'm trying to think of the last time we all traveled, 26, 2015. Mm -hmm. So this was still the aftermath, very much the aftermath of 9-11 with yeah. the strict security. Oh. And I remember a little pull of anxiety on the heartstrings there when we had to separate into it these is. different lines at yeah. the airport in New York. I know, God. It's just, uh, Especially going into the U.S. Well, yeah, and I'm thinking days. if they know everything about my wife that I know, she ain't getting in. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I tease because I love. Okay, yeah. let's just say it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You'll meet her afterwards. Poor thing. She worked a night shift. She was supposed oh. to be off last night and they called her. What uh, does she do? She's a psychiatric nurse. Oh, wow. Um, quite a good one. I have to brag I on her. She's, one. she's responsible for, uh, way back in 2003, the setting up of one of the, at that time, one of the premier, uh, security units for psychiatry, psychiatry in Norway. Wow. So, uh, She's been doing it for a long time. She loves it. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So she, they called her, and uh, we we had gotten gotten rid of the kids. You know, they were both <laughs> spending the night at, at right. friends. Yeah. It's like okay, this is our evening, first time in a long time. And oh, then the phone no. rang oh, right no. when we sat down to watch a film. Oh, that's typical. And we kind of looked at each other while they're, and we're both ah, okay. Get the money. Oh so, yeah, there's always that choice. There'll be yeah. other evenings. Yeah. But isn't romance important? You got to keep it alive. Yeah, yeah. I find. I mean, that. we didn't keep it alive yesterday. We tried, no. but <laughs> but uh, uh, that you know, I I don't know how old your your kids are. They are tw almost twenty. Oh God. Five okay. And twenty-one. Okay, we started late, so we have a seventeen-year-old and a fifteen-year-old, mm. but it's quite a relief <laughs> to get through those rough years when they're younger, when they demand so much attention. Mm. And now we're kind of discovering what it's like to have moments like yeah. the moment we should have had last night. But we do that very often now where it's just us. Yeah. We yeah. couldn't do that for so yeah. many years. Yeah. Um, do you have a lot or does your husband have a lot of family in the area? No, no. Yeah, see, no, we don't, we from, don't have that either. So no babysitters. Tromsa. He's from Tromsa. Okay. What a yeah. great city. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, no, I mean, actually, when I... When my kids were younger, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I just in oh loved yeah every second. I was with them all the time, and yeah, don't yeah, don't get me wrong. Yeah, no, I no, love no, yeah, yeah. I was home with our daughter the yeah, first year. Yeah, uh, yeah. my wife, uh, I say it. She gave me that moment, mm. that first year of being home, which yeah. you can do here in Norway. Exactly. Stay home and keep your yeah. job, yeah. and the most beautiful year of my life. Yeah, but there are certain struggles. You know, yeah. when kids are young like mm -hmm. that and there is so much attention mm -hmm. put on them, did you experience a new awakening of the romance when, <laughs> as they got older? This is a personal question, but that's what we do on Coming Home with John Anna. <laughs> no, I find if it I quite... don't make my guest blush, it's yeah. not oh, a no, good I'm show. Really I'm okay. red here. <laughs> Neon. Yeah. The lighting here. <laughs> 
Um, no, I've, I find it really difficult. My husband works away probably every What's third his name? week. Doug Finn. Doug Finn, stop working there so much. <laughs> He's in Iceland at the moment. He's just been at the oh, Blue wow. Lagoon. Oh, exciting, yeah, exciting. Yeah, yeah, he's, I mean, he's working. So he tells me, but there's always... <laughs> the Blue Lagoon, is, how much work is there to do at the Blue Lagoon in Iceland? Come on, Dogfin. <laughs> and I mean, he always, I always say, God, it's all just one big jolly, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, but isn't he fortunate to have such a job? Yeah, he tra- He enjoys traveling, and I think yeah. he would actually enjoy traveling internationally more. He has in the past. Yeah. Um, so it was very much always me and the kids, and we yeah. became like this threesome, I think, and... <laughs> And I wouldn't say he got pushed out. I mean, if anything, he would have loved to have been home, but he was the one working. I had come from a really busy career in, in Glasgow, and I gave that up to be at home with the kids. And uh, that, that is a very interesting subject that I'm very much preoccupied, mm-hmm. not preoccupied, but occupied with, that dynamic, that mm-hmm. family dynamic. That's yeah. kind of why I started talking about this. Um, when you have that professional life that kind of takes you away, and then a new cabal is set up. Oh yeah. The threesome yeah. with yeah. you and the kids. And yeah. it was the same thing with Snoopy yeah. and our two kids for several years. Not so much now because I work mm-hmm. from home, but uh, I, at one point when we were living up North, I owned three gyms wow. that were spread out over, uh, yeah, all over Trums, Filke. Oh, wow. That's why I know about Trums. Yeah. I, was, yeah. I was up there in that area. And uh, Trums at that time was almost four, a four hour drive. You know about the long distances up North. Oh yeah. So, you know, to manage all three of these places, I was gone and I saw this new dynamic Mm -hmm. being created. Not that there was any stress in our marriage or anything, but I just saw that there was something that was fading Mm -hmm. while something else was being Mm -hmm. built up Mm -hmm. or enhanced Mm -hmm. without my involvement. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's just natural in a way. Really. It is. If you have chosen, as we did very deliberately, for one of us to be there. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Um, choices. Yeah. 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 Choices and the consequences therefrom. Yeah, and I, I had because I had come from a job that I originally enjoyed, but then as soon as I had Sophie, I just wanted to be with her. Hated it. So we moved to Norway. And then my life just became <laughs> collecting leaves and making paintings and singing and playing and drawing. Yeah. And we'd made like we'd make like totem poles and sing and have. We just had a fantastic time, is, me and the kids. Is that when you got this bug for writing? When did you write strawberry? The, the strawberry. Oh, that was um, started around twenty twelve, I think. Okay, so this was. But I'd been writing before that, and I did. Okay. Um, I mean, yeah, I think I wrote about three or four novels before that just to learn how to write um, i didn't know that yeah oh yeah i mean i'd i'd be shocked if people's first novel gets published and <laughs> you know you've got to learn your craft because this is not self-published these works um or mountain king is mountain king is self-published yeah, okay. in english um, okay so it's coming up harper collins are going to translate it into norwegian ah, next year beautiful yeah I'm just going to say ahead of time, congratulations. Oh, That's quite the feat. I love yeah, it. Yeah, thanks. I love I've, it. I've learned an awful lot about the publishing industry since I wrote The Strawberry Girl. Well, that translation is a guaranteed broader distribution. That's a yeah. battle won immediately right there. I mean, it's such a Norwegian story. It seems it makes it sense to, to me that it could be yeah. accessible to Norwegians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so Although Norwegians good. enjoy reading in English. They do, they surprisingly do. So, for me, surprisingly so. Yeah, no, they do. They really embrace... That yes. process. Yeah. yeah, they do. Yeah. And um, but I th- obviously for this, my main markets will be mm-hmm. UK, US, Australia, New Zealand, you know, like English speaking. 
how how involved are you in the business side of things? You have an agent. Yes. Uh, of course, you have to be more involved when you're self-publishing. But let's go back to the Strawberry Girl mm-hmm. when, uh, you know, do, do you feel like you lose something when there's other people, this agent having influence, the publishing, uh, uh, the publisher having an opinion and some influence and in decision making? Mm-hmm. How, how does that feel? Yeah, not so much the agent. <clears throat> he doesn't change much. He and I work together for sometimes over a year in editing backwards okay. and forwards, backwards and forwards to get a manuscript that he feels he can really sell. And sometimes that's not to do with the quality of the writing or the story. It's more about the publishing industry needing it to fit yeah. into a specific genre. Yeah. yeah. And so you have to kind of clip it and cut it and shape it and form yeah. it so that it will fit right in that genre and what does that else. do to the creative process that's annoying yeah and so in terms and of that's why i'm going to self-publish i i because I, yeah, I, I i recommend it i i couldn't imagine me well it's the same thing with my music mm. I, I record all my music here and it's the way i want it to be i'm my own producer i play the instruments yeah. and if someone were to say that sucks john you got to change that mm-hmm. i think it would crush me because that's a lot of my passion that I put into that project. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a frailty of mine, but if it is, no, I admit it. No, no, no. It's, 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 um, it's human nature to, well, yeah. to create something. <clears throat> like the process that I go through with my agent, it's never like that sucks. Don't do that ever. That was it's, a bit harsh there. But. Yeah. But I mean, if that's what people think, I need to like, you know, shed a bit of light. Well, a good agent is a guide. He's more asking questions right. and, right. um, maybe the worst would be, I didn't quite believe that. Okay. You know, so you have to go back and then how can I make this more believable? Well, a good agent is a good coach, right? He's going to lead the, he's going to yeah. ask those leading yes, questions. Yes, he asks the questions. Yeah. You know, but they're, yeah. they're not your best friend. They're not there to cuddle you and, and no. you know, make your life great. You know, yeah. they're, he can be quite, I wouldn't say harsh, but just challenging. And, oh. you know, some in the process through previous books, some emails would be like 15 questions. Why is she doing that? Why is he saying this? Yeah. Why would that happen? You know, and you've really got to think, how can I answer those questions? In, I have a real good a answer rewrite? because that's how I imagined it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, next yeah. question. <laughs> Same answer because that's how I imagined it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But a lot of this stuff is, like I said, trying to shape it into sure. a specific genre, which yeah. can be extremely frustrating. And that's what I found because I found with a strawberry girl, when you talk about control, that went to a publisher and I had zero control over covers. And I, yeah. because it's such an artistic book, yes, I imagined it to be very chunky paint and, you know, really <sighs> eye-catching. Yeah. And they went for a totally different look, which was fine. I mean, it was, it was mm. pretty and all of that, but it wasn't quite what I imagined. Right, right. And then I found also through... I was lucky enough for it to get translated into different languages. They all had their yeah. version of it. Some were, some I really loved, some that I didn't get. You yeah. know, but they all have their different markets and they feel that they understand them the best. Well, and they know, they understand these things, but they're not the creator. No. So a lot the creator. You've just got to let that go. You eventually realize, you okay, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. Um, but no, they didn't actually change so much in the, in the actual story either. So that, that was okay, but... What I've found subsequently is um, this fitting into a genre thing that yeah. I keep going on about. It, you could write a really good story. I've had some wonderful, like with The Hall of the Mountain King, I actually finished it a long time ago, okay, three years ago. okay, And I had to think about 12 or 13 
rejections that were so lovely, I would want them on the back of the book. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> a lovely rejection. Oh, brilliant. Like, you know, this is so moving. <laughs> She's such a great writer. This is lovely. I mean, a really nice thing yeah. that you would really want. Yeah. But we feel the market is too narrow or we don't know where to put it. We don't know. So that genre that has a lot thing. to say with, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, are, are you afraid then as a, or can you see yourself possibly running into some difficulties then as a self-publisher that you may make the wrong decision where these experts may have went this way, you go that way because you're, you're in your feelings, you're in your heart as a creator. Is there, there's a certain nakedness with the self-publishing route. Am um, I right? Kind of, but I think because I've had both, I've had been traditionally published, yeah. and I've but learned you, and you a lot say from now, that. but you say now you would recommend self-publishing. Yes, yeah, um, because that I feel this is. I don't want to sound bitter and twisted, and you know. we do bitter and twisted here <laughs> on coming home with John Allen. We do that as well. I think you did. I listened to your episode with Jeff, and I think Jeff, did you? Okay. Jeff, Jeff said something a little bit like this about the music industry. Yeah. And the publishing industry, the music industry, these big industries, this is how I see the publishing industry, is that you have writers on one side and you have readers on the other. Mm -hmm. And in the middle, you have this huge conglomerate that owns everything. And yeah. they're almost blocking yes. writers from getting to their readers. So the reason why... I believe it. I, I like what what I've done I, with the whole of the Mountain King is that I've had control mm. and I've been able to say I've created this thing and if I hadn't decided to get it out there it would still be sitting on a file in on my yeah. computer and possibly would have been for the rest of my life but I just dared to do it and said okay you dared to do it there's a certain pride in your work where you feel that it deserves to be out there and you're going to make that happen on your own merit yeah, yeah. every decision is yeah. yours and since I already had a small readership from the Strawberry Girl, yeah. and I, you know, I'd already been translated into a number of languages, then I suppose I, I suppose that's different than just publishing myself from the very beginning. Yeah. Um, but still, I understood them. That I is a good start. Have, be, it's you know, a good start. Being yeah. published, yeah. Uh, especially with the translation on top of it, yeah. that is a great start to yeah, it really was. to jump off into really self-publishing. But it was no guarantee, John. Absolutely so, not. I mean, that's no. What, that's what people don't know out there. Well, it's a fickle market. You just don't know who's going to want to pick up your book yeah. and read it. You just don't know that. You can do everything. You can lay the groundwork so that it's easy for them to find yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, you're going to write as good as you can. You're going to promote it as yeah. best you can. But it's a very fickle market. You can't yeah, say that this is the no. path to a guaranteed success. No, nobody can do that. No. It's the same with a hit song or a hit same movie. With a hit song. Or nobody knows. Yeah. But I, I think what I, I was naive. In the beginning, when I first got, uh, I mean, my agent must be one of the top 10 agents in the world. Mm -hmm. He's amazing. And he represents some really big names. Yeah. And so I, I just could hardly, that was a dream come true. How did you find him? Did you just sub submit a manuscript yeah, and then I he did. just latched onto it and there I it was. just went through the process yeah. of, you know, sending and I uh, sent the first three chapters. And the weird thing was I'd sent it, I think, to about eight or nine agents. Yeah. And I never heard anything back from A.M. Heath. And I thought, oh, that's probably just, you know, dead duck. Yeah, yeah. And so I went back and I followed 
I went back to their website about three or four months later and they said, if you sent a manuscript in at this time, we had a technical hitch, we weren't receiving things, please oh, send wow. it again. Oh, and I did. And, and did. two weeks later, I had an agent. Well, there you go. Yeah. So it what was What a great really feeling. Did you, how did that feel to get, you know, it's kind of like in the music business, uh, not so much now, especially if you're a little bit older, uh, like I am, but, but for young people, that whole thing, oh, I, I got a contract, I got a record contract. Oh, yeah. Was there any of that? I got an agent. Oh, I can was believe there? it. I mean, I was yeah. 42 and it was like, oh, my God, I had to print off the email, give it to Doug Finn and, and say, is this real? Can you Translate this, please. Read this to me yeah. and tell me, does yeah. he mean it? Or is yeah. he going to change his mind? I, I had this that feeling must like, have you know, been. for a few days after, they can't have meant that. Yeah, that must have been a beautiful feeling. It what was. A, it really that, was. that affirmation that, hey, I'm on the path to something. I here. really I'm doing was because I'd been working on writing for probably about at least 12 years before that you know it wasn't just something that happened instantly so yes but I was so naive because I thought once I'd got the agent and once I got the publisher that's it and they will just nurture me yeah, and yeah. help me become a writer and I don't need to I just need to keep writing and that's it and I was well, how, so how, wrong how, how so um because I would think and again I, I can relate this to the music business um, you know, they sign a 20-year-old a, a artist, they give them this big advance, uh, they get them in the studio, and then they're no longer concerned. The nurturing process mm. is non-existent. Mm. How, do, how, can that, how does that relate when it comes to the writing business? I don't want you to talk bad, if you don't want to, about the people who were in your writing world, but did you feel nurtured? Did you feel guided? Did you feel welcomed into that writing world i did and i did yes mm. very much and i got on really well with them but where i kind of misunderstood <clears throat> how things were going to play out was yeah. i just thought that everything i did from then on they would take and that they would ah, publish I see. I see and really what drives everything is money and so if they weren't a hundred percent convinced they would make a fortune on me you really, it almost feels like we'll give you one shot and then we'll spit you back out again. <laughs> yeah. And they have people who sit in offices with computers and study online algorithms and uh, and sometimes redefine genre and all that stuff to make this stuff fit. Yeah. Yeah. That's not good. Okay, that is not me. <laughs> well, that's my son. Oh, take it. I, d I just about have to. Yep. This is what happens when you do a show at home. Yeah. Little things like that. I would have taken it too. Yeah, have to. Oh, yeah. Just when about have to. When yeah, it's your kids. absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Okay, and we're back through the wonders of technology. That mm -hmm. was but a microsecond for those of you listening and watching, but for us, it was a two-minute adventure, side <laughs> adventure for me. Uh, no, you have to answer the phone when the kids call. No, you, you definitely yeah. do. Definitely. Um, we were talking though about <clears throat> your initial um, expectations about how you would be guided. Uh, taken care of, how your work would be accepted. Now, I have to ask, was that because of any kind of misdirection or deception? Or was it because you were just a little naive and possibly starstruck? Or was it a combination? Of I think the two? I was probably just the way, in the same way that people have these preconceptions <coughs> about, oh, you're a writer, you must be a millionaire now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think I just thought, oh, the way it goes is, because yeah. you know, it's yeah. so yeah. hard to get an agent, and right. I finally did it. Yeah. And I just thought, right, I've done that now. Yeah. This means I'm on my way. Yeah. This yeah. means that I can Smooth be... sailing from yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
this means I can just be a writer and that's it. And I also, I think my preconception of the industry was that once you'd got a publisher, they nurtured you and they helped right. you build your yeah. readership, um, mm. your audiences, all of that. And I just sort of naturally assumed that when, yeah. when in reality, they don't have much money to put into promoting you. And Not these days. No. Hasn't there been quite the change over the last 15, 20 years? Mm. The, the writing world is just not the I profit so. base that it was. I think so, yeah. 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 So really the way I see it now is, and again, this isn't to be like bitter and old and twisted and everything, but <laughs> it, it does seem to me a little bit as if they go for almost the lowest common denominator so that they can mass market sell, make as much money as they possibly can. And it's leaving really good writers kind of struggling to get yeah, to their readers. Yeah. And um, that's just the state of our times, really. <clears throat> and again, I talked about this stuff, as you saw, with uh, with Jeff, uh, Jeff Wasserman, when he was here, and how the, the music industry has become this thing where they're just squeezing, squeezing as much money as they can yeah. out of the artist. Or not. If they don't see money there immediately they drop the artist or, they, or you don't even get a shot if they yep. don't see the money in you. Mm-hmm. And it has, that has nothing to do with talent or creativity. It's no. just the money. Yeah. And unfortunately I think, you know, again, I'm, I'm a couple steps behind you and that I haven't even released my first book yet, but from my studies of how the writing world is, the publishing world, uh, it's, it, it, it does not encourage me to want to go the traditional publishing route. No. I'm going to self-publish. I can understand Period. That. Done. How are you writing fiction? Uh, I'm writing, I call it a memoir of oh, sorts. Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's not a memoir in the sense that I'm trying to tell my story to get my story out there. I'm trying to tell a story as seen by me in the hopes that it could help somebody else yeah. out there. Um, now this, this has come after several people over several years telling me that there was a story there that I should write. I don't know if it's imposter syndrome. I don't know if I just didn't have the focus or if the stars were not aligned properly, but I never really put any effort into it until relatively recently, maybe six months ago. Now I, I I tried, there were several attempts (laughs) over 10, 12 year period, but it was maybe six months ago that I got this real serious desire to write the story and I'm loving it. Oh, that's the, the, the battle is won already before I've even released it. I am loving the process. So, um, I'm probably 90% finished with the writing actually. Well, done. And well, thank you. And coming up here in a couple of weeks, pre editing, okay. Pre editing, I'm going to release, uh, a subscription where I will read in one chapter at a time every week mm-hmm. and it'll just mm-hmm. drip on an audio yeah. uh, audio release. And that's going to go towards funding the the hardcover and paperback release. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's cheap. It's a, it's a dollar a week. Yeah. And people get to hear me read my book before yeah. I've edited. Yeah. Basically I'm writing, recording the audio and yeah. I'll send it out right away. It's gonna that's be, brave. Well, it's, it's brave, but I, I love that challenge. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm constantly seeking that challenge and it's, it's brave. It's very scary. Uh, and it may fall flat on its face. People may say, well, I'm not going to buy it because this sounds terrible. I don't know. Um, it's, it's going to, it's going to be motivating for me. It's going to make me keep writing. 
because I know people have now subscribed. Mm -hmm. So I've got to keep writing. I can't, you know, I don't know about you, but in that writing process, it's like this. Sometimes I feel like I'm Stephen King. Sometimes I feel like I'm in first grade and can barely make a sentence, you know. Uh, but this whole thing with this subscription is going to p- make me just push mm-hmm. through to the end. Mm-hmm. I'm about 80, 85, I'd say 85% finished with all the writing. Yeah, yeah, so. that's good. I mean, you don't strike me as being the kind of person that would find it crippling to to have that exposure, but I know some people that would find that really challenging. And I think to ex- if you're writing a memoir as well, it's not just a piece of fiction. This yeah. is like you. Yeah. You're really yeah. putting yourself out there. You're stripping naked. I your, am. Yeah. But I, there, there's a therapeutic aspect to this. Um, I, I think we all, at some point in our lives, whether it's as children or later in our adult years, we experience different forms of trauma mm-hmm. several times throughout the course of our life. And for me, uh, uh, this all started when I lost my son to a heroin overdose. Oh. In November of 2019. Uh, oh my God. Yeah, it was it was horrible. It is horrible. Oh, I have no awful. idea. I have no idea if I'm dealing with it in a proper way. Oh, John. And well, that's the reason why I started this program uh, because I was, of course, extremely depressed. Uh, we were like in a we were in a, a, a completely new stage in our relationship. My wife and I were working to get him here to Norway, get him out of that environment. Uh, he, he was living in, in the States. Uh, and uh, so, th- you know, things were looking up. And, 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 and then then he died from an overdose. Oh, that's absolutely horrific. So I, I was, I mean, it just yanked the rug out from underneath me. Oh. And a couple of months went by and Snoopy, she's, she's something else. She told me I should find something that can give me inspiration something that can uh, lift me out of this. And she said, and you should use your voice. She, mm. I think I talk too much sometimes, but she always tells me she likes <laughs> to hear me talk. So she said, you should use your voice and you should get on a microphone. Wow. So I started my podcast. Yeah. And I'm looking for people who inspire me, people who motivate wow. me, people who I think I can learn something mm. from. And that process started in... Um, March of 2020. He passed in November 2019. I started my show in March. So all of those months from November 2019 to March 2020, I was I can't lower even begin than lo- to imagine. Yeah, just, I yeah, can't yeah. begin it, to d- imagine. It does something. It, it, oh. it hurts just to think of it, doesn't it? And it's not your son. Yeah. It's my son. Yeah. So there's something as parents, oh. you know. So that's what I was going through in this microphone, this process, uh, the, this series of shows is what pulled me out of it. Mm-hmm. And then through that, I started to realize the benefits of telling my story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I just told you one story about losing my son, mm. and it, it lightens that load mm. for me, at least in the moment. Of course, it can also make me very depressed later. I might be like, oh, gosh, why did I bring it up again? Mm -hmm. But right now it feels good to share that, right? Right. When we share our feelings, when we Mm -hmm. share our trauma, Mm -hmm. there's a therapeutic Mm -hmm. effect. Yeah, I was in a a writing class actually recently, and the teacher there said we write to survive. Oh, don't we? Yeah, and and it's very much that. Regardless of what genre we write, I think. Yeah, it's very much that that you're talking about. And so um, I read a book an example I give in, in, in my newsletter recently was I read a book by Julian Barnes, who's one of my favorite novelists and writers. And his book begins, um, would you rather love the more and suffer the more 
or love the less and suffer the less? That I think is the one true question. What a beautiful question. Yeah, and and that's beautiful. Then it goes on to say because I'm thinking, yeah, because I love so massively. Mm-hmm. I wonder sometimes if my life would have been easier if I didn't love as much. But then he goes on later to say, you've probably realized there is this isn't a real question because we you, no one can control how much they love. If you could control it, it wouldn't be love. Exactly. And that's just that just resonated with me so yeah. much, yeah. and and that's what I mean about when something really touches you that you've read yeah that's what writing's all about is connecting people and that's what i'm hoping that my upcoming book can do for people um now i do have uh uh, hopes and dreams of writing fiction eventually i've got a lot on my phone on my phone here is a lot of notes for a lot of crazy stories that i want to tell uh fiction but i feel that i have to get this thing out Mm -hmm. first and it all started with this this podcast and the radio show that whole experience of putting my situation out there and telling people exactly why i'm doing my program it's so Mm -hmm. therapeutic Mm -hmm. i can imagine yeah so the book writing process is even more therapeutic so i'm putting that out there yeah for myself Mm -hmm. but i also I, i think i think people may be able to get something out of that book oh yeah definitely definitely i'm not the only one going through this you know, and I don't have the solution on how to deal with it, but mm-hmm. yeah, we're going to put it out there and mm. see what happens. Yeah, well, I wish yeah. you all the best. For Thank that. you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'll get up to your level one day. I want to be like you when no, I grow no, up. No, 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 don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. We're talking about <clears throat> The Hall of the Mountain King by Lisa Strummer. When's the release date? A few days. 30th of September. So 30th a week. of September. This will be Just out about a week, tomorrow, yeah. which is no. the 25th. Oh, yeah. Oh, out, sorry. The epi- yeah. I'll be putting this mm-hmm. episode out on my podcast mm-hmm. uh, on Sunday, the 25th. Yeah. Uh, you guys, if you're watching or listening, you've got to go and check this book out. Your website is Lisa Strum, S-T-R-O-M-M-E, okay, dot com. Yeah. Go there. That's where you'll find all the information on where to get this. I want this to I want this to blow up. I want this oh, to Thanks. This Yeah. So did you ever feel like you had to stop? Did you ever feel like this wasn't working? That, or was it smooth the whole way? That particular novel or being this a writer? One, this one right here. That was one of the smoothest. Really? It, it was born in about 6 months. Uh, it just yeah. came right out. Um, I love it. Yeah, and um I was talking earlier about genre this yeah. is a story about um, a young girl who suffers a trauma so badly that she ends up going mute. She loses a voice. She can't speak anymore. And it's music and the power of music that helps her learn how to speak again. And it's very much, um, a lot of it is uh, influenced by Per Gint, which is um, a famous play by Ibsen, <coughs> which Grieg put the music to. And some of the music to that is is very famous. And originally... When I first wrote it, the story is based in 1875 in Hardanger, and that's Beautiful where... Beautiful section in Norway, by the way. Yeah, it's lovely. And that's where Grieg was when he yeah. was trying to write this suite of music, struggling yeah. to write it. He was there. So the story of the six-month the six month duration was just her as a 13, 14-year-old yeah. coming to terms with puberty and first love and all those things. She yeah. wasn't really, she, she didn't have a mother, she didn't have any sisters. So the only thing she had to go on growing up was folk tales and old wives tales. Yeah, yeah. Those kind of like stories. <laughs> and uh, so originally it was just that. 
And this is the process that I'm talking about with my agent and the editing. And he said, okay, if we go with just that, it could fall into young adult. And uh-huh. we didn't want it yeah. to be in that genre. We wanted it to be in a little bit broader adult. into the adult. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I then worked in a second story, like a parallel story, yeah. which is Dagny, the main character when she's much older. She's a grown woman. And she's it's one night where she's singing at a, a concert and um, she's having relationship problems yeah. in that one night. She's yeah. struggling. And really those relationship issues are all very deep set from from the time on the mountain when she okay. was a young girl and and it's how that had influenced her as an adult and the struggles that she's going through there so it that process then probably took about another seven eight months with him going backs and forwards putting in this new story and would you call that's together. almost like a re- total rewrite to no, plug in a oh parallel no, I, story I've, or... I've, I've written rewrites before <laughs> this was an enhancement in a way because yeah. the the parallel story where she's an adult is is smaller it's just okay. little fragments yeah. that come in every now and again so the main story was done yeah, yeah. that's the stuff on the mountain yeah. okay yeah and it all came out in originally first in in, in six months yeah, or so it came out very and then easily. another seven months or so yes. for the yeah yeah interesting yeah yeah but they're all different they're like your children you know they they, well, come, yeah, they yeah. come out differently they are different yeah, yeah. what's well, the same thing with songwriting yeah, yeah. uh uh, and, and I'm so excited right now. This, this, this when the creativity hits, it, it, it's, it's life changing in the moment. I'm in such a creative period right now, and I have a friend of mine, a songwriting friend, who sent me two pieces of music mm-hmm. last night. Mm-hmm. And I think I can compare this to when the idea for a story, or maybe a different chapter in my book, when it just falls into my head. So I get these two pieces of music yesterday, and I'm like, this is going to be great. Wow. And I and I hope I can keep that feeling because I'm gonna write <laughs> after I do all the post production on this writing session. Kick me out so you right. can get on with it. <laughs> well, uh, but it's 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 just such a good feeling when that inspiration hits. Was that a gradual process when it comes to to the Hall of the Mountain King, or did you did you have to work on what kind of story you wanted to write, or was it that lightning inspiration? I don't know how you are as a writer. Some people hear a voice and they feel they need to write that. I'm not like that. I'm visual. I'm very visual. Yeah. yeah. So I'll see scenes. Yes. And I think usually before I start, I'll have maybe two or three scenes. And I had two scenes, if you want to say, for sort of inspiration. One was a, a young girl sitting next to Grieg at the piano. I didn't know anything apart from the fact that she couldn't talk and I didn't know why she couldn't talk. Yeah. And there's another scene where Grieg and her are at the top of a mountain and the sky is just full of the northern lights. Yeah. And it's cold and snowy and they're there together and she still can't talk. And I didn't know why. And so I knew I had to get to those scenes. I didn't know where, yeah. when, how, yeah. or whatever. So that had to be filled in. And that was kind of there and that sort of was hanging around in my mind for quite a long time. But then... At some point, I saw the musician, the concert pianist James Rhodes, play the Hall of the Mountain King on piano, yeah. and it just blew me away. Yeah. His, he was plonking so hard, yeah. you, know, you couldn't see his fingers. It was just a blur, <laughs> and it was still yeah. making the noise. Yeah. It was still making this yeah. beautiful sound. Yeah. And when I saw him play, that inspired me to start writing. So I think one art influences another. And Isn't that so cool and so interesting and mysterious how that happens? Yeah. Yeah. The one art medium yeah. feeds into the other. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. And so it wasn't until I saw him playing it that I yeah. I just, I think the same day I started writing. That's such a good feeling. And I, I think a, a good artist is open to those spontaneous moments of inspiration. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, it could be, uh, you know, everybody talks about how horrible TV is, you know, and don't watch CNN and things like that. But sometimes I'll hear a news commentator say something. And it's not necessarily that what he or she said was deep, but the subject around which they are speaking is so deep. Mm-hmm. And there's a song in that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's, it's, uh, and I, I'm not saying I'm a great artist, but I, I, I am always open for that spontaneous inspiration. And it's usually a visual thing. Mm-hmm. Pictures will start coming yeah. up in my head and I just put it onto words and mm-hmm. hopefully it works itself yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a very mysterious process. Do you have a Do you have a next book in mind already, or are you still immersed in your current project? I mean, it's not even released yet. Yeah. But sometimes you'll hear. I, I know this happens in music. Uh, by the time an album is released, uh, the next album is halfway written. Yeah, that's, so, that's exactly the way. I mean, given that I finished this three years ago, yeah. I have another novel that's currently out with publishers, and I've started writing another one now. So, and this one is set in 1030 at the end of the Viking era. So oh, completely he- hello, different. research. Hello, <laughs> <Yeah>. research. <laughs> exactly. Oh. And honestly, for the first first time ever since living in Norway, I'm, I'm quite looking forward to the winter so that I can just really get into the research and, well, you know, yeah, yeah. huddle in and start yeah. getting on with it. Well, it's certainly fascinating to, to dig into. I, I did a, one of my earlier uh, podcast episodes was with a guy, uh, Andreas, who uh, there's an ancient uh, Viking wrestling sport called Gimle. Oh, right. Is there? Uh, and, you know, they'll wear like a kilt type of yeah. thing, bare chested, and they'll wrestle, trying to break arms and whatnot, but it's all in fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and he's, also, he's also very much into, uh, you know, all things Viking. Right. Uh, in in yeah. quite the positive sense and how it applies. Mm hmm or how it should apply or could apply socially today. You know, the moralistic, uh, you Mm. know, people, when they think of Vikings, they think of just the raping and the pillaging. Mm. Well, there was actually a moral structure Mm. to that, a very rigid moral structure. Um, Yeah, I think that's a very effective sort of society, and women had much more of a say than they, you know, it worked. Yeah, it did. Well, Mm. we're here today because it worked. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I wish it didn't work so well with that... uh, no, my wife, she's she's a tiny little thing, but she sure is tough. Aww. She's uh, quite the Viking. Oh, is she? <laughs> You're going to meet her yeah. afterwards. I yeah, look yeah. forward to meeting her. Yeah, she sounds amazing. Um, now, you say you are a lover of music. What kind of music do you prefer? Anything, Besides Greek. Anything and everything. Well, I wasn't even a massive Greek fan or anything like that, but when I got into that, that did move me <laughs> yeah. quite a lot. But anything. Anything and everything. Oh. I mean, probably with the exception of like extreme thrash metal, I could probably listen to pretty much anything and love it. I've I've never been able to get in. Now I, I like Metallica, right? But there's more. There's a um, there's a for me a recognizable musical structure mm-hmm. in that kind of right metal. Mm-hmm. But this Norwegian black metal, yeah. I just can't. I don't. <laughs> I don't. It's almost like a constant droning. Yeah. Now here I am losing all of my Norwegian black metal fans. All two, all two of them, but it sounds like a droning. It's just like a droning note with, yeah. with a lot of staccato, sort of like not a, even rhythm. It's like a there's pre-vomit no sort of throat. Yeah, kind of. and I and I and I, I I I really I genuinely struggle, and I've tried for years, off and on, uh, to 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 connect with the musicality mm-hmm. of that. I just I I'm. I, nah. 
I don't. I can't. Get it. I can't do I'm it. Sorry as I, well. No, I, I, I just can't do it. But beyond that, I, I like all types of music. Mm. I wrote. I wrote a country album. Did you for a friend of mine? Um, uh, which was probably the biggest musical stretch I've ever done. Wow. And I want to apply that to my writing. Now here I am thinking forward. I'm not even finished with my first book, but I want to be. Uh, I want to be an author who writes in different styles mm-hmm. because I like writing and performing music in different styles. Mm-hmm. I never thought I would write a country album. Mm-hmm. I didn't like, con- I mean, I never disliked country music, but I wasn't a country music fan. Mm-hmm. Somebody asked me to write that album. I'm like, that is, that's a challenge. Yeah. So I want to apply that same sense of challenge seeking mm-hmm. to my writing. Mm-hmm. Can you see yourself stepping outside and into a new genre? Um, I can see myself possibly writing some non-fiction, maybe. Do you think future. it'll hurt you? Because again, the experts are so preoccupied with genre. How are we going to market? It depends. How is Lisa Sturmer yeah. going to be marketed? You know, yeah. what kind of a writer is she? Is she, you know? I mean, that- I have I have started a book about creativity and the creative process and and writing and things like that. I'd quite like to finish that at some point. But in terms of genre in fiction, I can't imagine ever moving out of my genre because I Mm. love it so much. History, uh, historical fiction for me is the only thing I will ever write because contemporary stuff just doesn't do anything for me. So I'm I'm a complete... I call myself like an obsessive compulsive historian. I just, it's part of my soul. Well, you know what I like about your style of writing? Uh, and, and again, I've only seen the first three chapters, but knowing that it has a historical context, context, I like the idea of being entertained while I'm also learning something. Yeah. You yeah, know? yeah. There's something about that style of writing, about your style of writing that stimulates uh, the desire to learn something. I might pick up, well, we don't pick up history books, don't we? We, Google things yeah. now. I might, I might Google a reference. Mm. I might get curious about a certain aspect of of, of Grieg, mm. you know, mm. or or the or the the the, the, the Gint story, mm. and, and I might jump on Google and mm-hmm. explore it and learn mm. a little something, mm. which may lead to something else. That's mm. very attractive in your yeah. style of writing. That's nice to know. Yeah, hats Thanks. off to you for yeah. that. Thanks. It's um. And, and again, I've only seen the first three. Uh, read the first three chapters. Let me hold this up again for the camera. Spot the troll. Spot the troll. Do you see the troll? No, not me. Let me hold it off. <laughs> Do you see the t- <laughs> Oh, self-depreciation. <laughs> no, but, uh, it's, um, there's something about it that, that makes me want to jump further into it and learn. It's that historical oh, reference yeah. that stimulates that, that brain that wants to learn more knowledge. Well, that's the kind of thing that stimulates me you know yeah. so I, would, I read what i want to write so you do you enjoy the research process love it absolutely mm. love it it's I probably mean, not even work to you if you have a genuine no, curiosity for no, history it's no, not oh, work it's you're just feeding it. your own yeah. desi- your yeah. own desire yeah. yeah yeah and i mean like when i was researching monk that was just fabulous going to all these places where he was and painting I, I would you know and i call monk my my favorite norwegian artist but I'm really lacking in knowledge about his personal life. Mm. I want to see what I can find out about what kind of person mm. he was. Troubled. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I've I've gathered that much, but I, I'm, I don't know. I have this morbid curiosity. I want to know how troubled was he. Yeah, yeah. And then it will give me a better understanding of how it manifested itself in his work, mm. because it obviously did. Look at look at Scream, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. No, he yeah. was he was 
very anxious and he'd suffered from losses when he was younger, yeah. his mother and his sister, and he himself was very, very ill. And I think this is the reason why he was so prolific, is that he had come very close to death. Yeah. And he knew what that was like. And yeah. he knew when he survived that, that I just have to devote myself to my art. Yeah. yeah. The the troubled artist. Mm, very much, yeah. Are you anything of a troubled artist? I mean, you're very happy right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wonderful, charming smile, uh, beautiful writings. But but most of us, I think you didn't you say something along the lines of we're. we're I don't want to misquote you, but I, didn't you say something a few minutes ago when I was talking about having lost my son that we put a certain amount of our feelings, our emotions and experiences into our work. Mm. How does that manifest or does it manifest itself in your, in your writing? I mean, it obviously does because you can't not, you can't. We are who we are. Yeah. I mean, it's like you see. We don't write, we don't write or create to hide things about Uh, ourselves. Isn't there some part of you that wants to share certain aspects of your, of yourself, of who you are, of what made you? Yeah. I think a lot of it comes out unconsciously and I think they say you can look can see a writer's DNA from their collective yeah. pieces of work. It's quite true. Yeah, and so I think it just comes out that way anyway because I'm a creative person. I like art. I like music. Yeah. Um, I'm interested in the emotional makeup of human beings and why we do the things we do. Yeah. And, uh, I'm very emotional. Uh, like I said, I love deeply. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and so it must just come out without me really thinking about it. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's no conscious effort to... Neither expose it or hide it. No. You just write and you're aware of, yeah, there's parts of me. There could there. be me in there. I'm not aware of it yeah. coming out. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess that's that's a different pro you know, like I say, I'm doing a memoir of sorts, so I'm writing about my own experiences, mm. starting from <laughs> as far back as I can remember. Mm. Uh, that's pretty personal. So mm-hmm. I guess I'm looking at my writing from a totally different perspective. But I think there's still a layer because you're writing, you're not just sitting chatting about your life. I that's think true. Yeah. Will- you will probably be trying to make your writing good. So there's I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you will write differently to the way you speak to me now. You, th- there'll be a, some sort of refinement, some sort of uh, layer in between yeah. your, your immediate memory and emotion. And what's That's a good page. point. That's a good point. There'll be something that yeah. comes in between. So it would be slightly different. But at, at the same time, you are still exposing yourself. Now, I'm going to spend some time uh, later thinking on that. You know, what is the masking? What is the layering? How is this writing process different from myself and how I'm speaking to you Mm. now? I've never really contemplated that before, but now I am based on what you said just Mm. now. I think it slows you down anyway. Like before you think and commit something to the page, uh, there's a process that filters you more than just chatting. And talking well yeah yeah you know yeah it's not like you just flip a switch and you sit down and you write the hall of the mountain king but yeah <laughs> <laughs> right or or <laughs> no no certainly not and that's not a memoir <laughs> oh gosh i don't remember as far back as 1875 no, no. you'd be uh this i'm would old be, this would be old. <laughs> <laughs> no but it's it's uh you know i i do see what you're saying but it, that is an aspect of r- the writing process that i never thought of how filtered is this stuff that I'm writing on my iPad. How filtered is that? I think for a that? memoir, it's, it's probably, you're not conscious of it. I'm much more conscious of it as a fiction writer. because As you should be, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because you have to paint a picture that's mm. more, you know, I think you're allowed, I'm allowed a certain amount of selfishness mm. writing a memoir. Mm-hmm. It's kind of for me, too, yeah. you know. Yeah. Whereas yeah. As, 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 uh, 
as you write in your process, you have to think of the audience. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm also working a craft. I want my craft to be better and better all the time. I want to write beautiful words. I want things to sound nice and look nice. And that's not the same as just talking. That's true. Yeah. Although talking is an art. Talking is an art yeah. in itself. It's mm. it's um I think there's a there's an art aspect when I sit and speak with you know, they and they don't have to be an artist sitting mm. there. They can mm. be an academic. But I think there is a certain um poetry that can be observed mm. through conversation. Mm. I I love conversational so podcasts. I. Yeah. I could sit and watch or listen to those all day if I didn't have other things to do. Yeah, me too. There's 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 poetry, there's an ebb and flow, a push and pull. Mm-hmm. I love the facial expressions when profound things are said. Mm-hmm. There's a beauty, there's an art in that that's captured yeah. on the microphone and on film. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's another form of expression. Yeah, I think all communicators people who express things as you know for a living do that as their yeah. job then yeah. find all of that kind of stuff fascinating yeah how much time do you put into writing every day do you have a schedule i do i write from nine to one you said that yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. nine to one mm-hmm. so do you have a word count or do you just sit from nine no. to one and you get done what you get done in that time period yeah, yeah. that's what i do i started off with a word count i have to get a thousand words a day and that's that's not uh, the way to go. So I just it's not very up. organic. Yeah, yeah but the, the, I haven't gotten to the point where I can say from this hour to that hour mm-hmm. is my writing period. Mm-hmm. I'll kind of figure it out the evening before. Okay, tomorrow I know I have these family things to do and this, yeah. that, and the other. I have a you know a podcast to produce or whatever. Uh, so I'm going to write for two hours, mm-hmm. and here's when I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. But what I found is that may not be the way to go because in a way I'm, I'm, I'm under prioritizing my writing and I shouldn't be doing that. I should be prioritizing that. Yeah. I think you have to find a balance. I mean, in my, in my early days, I think after the strawberry girl came out, I thought, right, I'm a writer now. Therefore I have to do the stereotypical thing that a writer does (laughs) and write from first thing in the morning to last thing at night and then in the evening and just, you know, and I, I did do that and I hammered myself into the ground. Yeah. Um, my health, my family, I didn't see them anymore. It was It's just ridiculous. Stephen King put it very well. I saw an interview with him on YouTube a few weeks ago, and he said, you can't force yourself to be something you're not. And he directly referenced that stereotypical thing of the, the um, uh, you know, the wrinkled forehead of the artist hunched over his desk all day long mm-hmm. and excluding everything. Yeah. You know, you can do that, but you're not going to enjoy your writing process. Yeah. So he has compressed his writing time into a cer- certain hours of the day, you know, from the morning until the late morning. He doesn't even write into the afternoon, he says, because you have to live life. It's that living of life that will stimulate your writing. You definitely do. And you have to move your body and you yes. have to... Oh, yes. Get out and you know, yeah. see the world and talk to people. And I've gotten some of the best uh, ideas for segments of this book I'm working on when I've been out doing something else. Mm. Yeah. And it's so fun. I have to stop and scramble for my phone and put that idea down. You know, a certain thing that I remembered yeah. from my childhood that I hadn't thought of in years. And I know, you know that, that's why I walk as yes. well. You know, I think something happens in our brains yeah. when you shift and you start moving. I'll be out in my gym, out uh, in the garage here, and and idea after idea, whether it's for new music or for this mm-hmm. book, just fall into my head, mm. 
as I'm out there training. Yeah. So it's that it's that physical. For me, it's the physical movement mm-hmm. that stimulates uh, uh, to thought. If I sit down and say, "Okay, now I'm going to force out some writing," no, it doesn't work. No. Actually, I remember in this book, Hold the Mountain King, I had left, I'd got up when I'd finished writing one day and I had, it was the, in the scene, it was the middle of the night, Dagny's walking up towards the church, the church door is open and someone's in there. <sighs> I didn't know who the hell was in there. I didn't oh. know. And I went for a walk with my dog and uh, about halfway around that walk oh now i know who's in there <laughs> and it then falls I came, in, yeah, yeah. sometimes that distance yes. will stimulate to some new thoughts of creativity yeah yeah and sometimes in a story you don't know exactly where you're going and your characters will take you somewhere that you really weren't expecting and you have to then get them out of it yeah <laughs> This is such a beautiful cover. Who is oh, the thank you. who's the person who uh This is a, a designer called Jason Anscombe who lives in England and I got in touch with him through a website called Readsy, which you might want to check out for yourself. What's it called? Readsy. Readsy. And okay. they it's a resource for writers, so they have they basically hook hook up designers with writers, editors with writers. I see. You know, so you can find the, the resources, people that you need there. I'm gonna write that down because mm. that Read and then Z Y or S Y. I'm assuming it's dot com. Yeah. <clears throat> Readsy.com. And can you spell the last name of of the artist? I have a lot of creatives watching, yeah, so yeah, let's yeah. let's put this guy's name out it's there. It's Jason. It's, I think it's on the inside. It's A N S C O M B. A N S C O M B. Check him out, everybody. If you need somebody to do uh, some work on your project. Check him out. Oh, that's nice. There we go, Jason. Yeah. It's on the inside. And you people will see that it's on the inside because you're going to buy this book. <laughs> and see, I'm helping you out here. See, this is what we do here on Little Coming Home with John there. Allen. <laughs> no, this is, uh, it's it's very well put together. The cover pulls you in. And I think that's important. I don't think yeah. you can have, uh, because so many people are stimulated by the visual, you cannot mm. have a boring cover. No, um, and there's a lot that goes into that because, again, genre. And also you've got to think about... There's a psychological thing about a book cover. Yeah. It pulls people it literally pulls you into the book. Yeah. You also have to think about nowadays, most people see it as a thumbnail on a screen. Yes. So you have yeah. to think about what's going to work yeah. at what's that gonna size. Catch, yeah, what's yeah. going to catch their eye yeah. at that size. That's a good point. I'm so um, eager to challenge myself that I'm going to try and make my own book cover. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, quietly into digital art over the last 18 months or so. Mm -hmm. I'm having a lot of fun with it Mm -hmm. and the ideas just keep flowing. So that's great. Again, you're going to try control because nobody can quite ever interpret what what you're thinking. Well, I've been accused by friends of being way too insecure, but I I'm very protective of my art when it's in the creative process of course when i put it out there i want everybody to love it Mm -hmm. but until then i'm very quiet and and careful and i just don't want too many people putting their fingers into it and i that's the main reason why i'm self-publishing i just don't 
I don't want to have to coordinate with yeah. other people for something I mean, that I'm trying to create. If you spoke to Jason, you'd probably say Lisa was the worst client I've ever had in my life because <laughs> I, I was kind of just picky? like, was it kind very, of... can we make that just a bit brighter? Can we move yeah. this? Can we, that's not quite, you know. I'm sure he understood. He knows this Oh yeah, is I mean, your... that's his job, yeah, you know, yeah. um, but I was probably <laughs> particularly annoying. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you are annoying to the proper degree because this is a great cover. I wanted to get it the most, the highest quality I possibly could without yeah. it being published by um, Litho Publishing, you know, printing, you know, the yeah. traditional way. Um, and I, I'm proud of that. I think I did a, I think we did a good job. I'm also going to have uh, interior art. Oh, each you? chapter, each chapter is going to have. Are you going to have photographs uh, as well? No, no photographs. No. All, all drawn. Oh wow! So I'm going to have some fun with that. It's actually slow, slowing the process down uh, uh, quite a bit. Uh, if I hadn't gotten the idea to put uh, uh, drawings internally in, inside the book, I probably would have been done writing by now. Mm -hmm. But um, I can write a chapter and get an idea for the drawing, and then knock it out real quick but then there might be several days of editing that drawing so that mm. it fits oh yeah yeah so it's like a That's this, a, this, is, this is, is a really a, big project that you're working on well it is but it's fun it's it's mm. occupying a part of my mind that needs to be occupied mm. and again there's a therapeutic process too. oh yeah so yeah definitely yeah well listen we've been talking for an hour and 17 minutes no talking way, about art we? Talking about life. Oh my God! Talking about coming to Nor we kind of got off track. I wanted to we know did. more about your your uh, uh, journey here to Norway. Oh, Norway, but mm. but let's let's save that for the next time you come. <laughs> Part uh, two. Uh, you, well, you know, <clears throat> I have a lot of of guests who have been here several times over. Mm. So when I've invited someone in, I mean, you've got the full thumbs up, and my door is always open. So mm. when your next book comes, you want to talk about it. I'm here. Oh, if you. you have any, uh, if you want a halfway decent cup of coffee and we can talk on the microphone during that, the door is always open. Oh, that's so, so nice. Thank yeah. you. I'm so glad that I met you. And, and again, it's all Jeff Wasserman's fault. Likewise. Stop being yeah, such a nice Jeff, guy, Jeff. It's all your fault. Yeah. <laughs> but as, as we wind this up, I want to ask you, I have my guests do two things for me. No, I'd forgotten okay. about this. Yeah. Yeah. Two things here. <laughs> um, yeah, you saw, you probably saw this when you watched uh, the episode with Jeff. Jeff. Um, like I told you before, and like I tell everyone who comes here, I invite you here because I see something uh, in you that uh, that charms me, that motivates me, that inspires me. I, f I feel like I can learn things from you, and, and, and that's, that's why I invited you. So I'm quite fortunate that you said yes to my invitation. So thank oh, you for coming. Lovely. Thank you. Let me let me ask you this. Uh, I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna say three words, and then I would like you to please finish the sentence. I'm actually nervous. Like, you should like, be. Yeah, I'm <laughs> no, no, Suddenly, for the first time since I came here. Like, oh no! <laughs> it's funny. Everybody always kind of stiffens up, and maybe they'll take a sip of coffee yeah. when I get to this point. They can tell something big is coming, and it's kind of big because it, it this this demands a, a little bit of introspection, and introspection can be challenging and can be uncomfortable. But let me say these three words. You finish the sentence. You okay. ready? Lisa Strumme is. Ooh. Yeah. I have my ideas of who and what Lisa Strumme is. But what do you say? Lisa Strumme is. I think I would have to say a million different things packed into one soul just like you. 
Ah, uh, you threw it right <laughs> back at me, huh? John Allen is. Okay. So we're all so many things. I don't think aren't you can, we though? Yeah, I don't think you can put it down to I am that. You know? You have totally deconstructed a difficult question by <laughs> by saying how simply difficult it is. Yeah. It's a simply difficult and complex mm. thing, but it's mm. simple. Mm. We are who and what we are. Aren't we the sum of our experiences? Isn't a part of you and I this conversation, yeah. you know, going forward? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're that. We're the sum of our childhoods, our genetic makeup, the influences on us, the things we read, the, every book we've read, every film we've seen, every everything we've been exposed to. Yeah. Yet, ultimately, we're all the same. Ultimately. And we all want the same thing. We all. I think you know. that that is so important, and I think that's something that is being uh, neglected, that phrase... Uh, we're all the same, or we want the same things. I think that's being neglected in today's dialogue. Mm. Not, not today's, but yeah. in the, dia <laughs> yeah, in the dialogue of the day, yeah. <laughs> in, in, the, in the greater society, both in Norway, also back in the UK, and maybe especially in the USA. We forget that we are the same and we all want the same things. Basically, we want to be loved. Right? We want to look after our kids, our family. We want a decent life. We all want yeah. that. You know, you, wherever you go in the world, I think what also is neglected is the. we need to remember that 99.9% .9 of people are, are wonderful, lovely, happy, great people. I'm, I, I think my life has a certain, you know, I, I've had my ups and downs, but I think there has been a peaceful thread in my life because I always assume, I don't hope, but I assume that everybody is good. Mm. I start there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Let them prove me wrong. Mm, you know, yeah. I'm not naive. My eyes are open, no, of course. but I'm going to assume when I first meet you that you're good. Because yeah, that's I, usually the case. Most people you, are good. I have try, a friend. Yeah. I have to shout shout out yeah. to my friend. Uh, Henning Remme uh, wrote a song called Most People Are Good. Oh. Go check it out on uh, <laughs> on uh, Spotify, iTunes. Most People Are Good. Yeah. Beautiful instrumental song. Yeah. He's a guitarist. Oh. Yeah. Oh, and it's true. It's the truth. Most people are good. So yeah. I start there. No, I, I, like if you're traveling, you get into a bit of trouble, you ask someone for help. Most people help you. You know, some people are serial killers. Though. I know that, and you know, this is why I mainly just stay in my home. Most of my Avoid serial killers by just staying at home. <laughs> yeah. No, um, but it, but most people are good, and I believe. You see it on social media a lot. If if you're on social media a lot, you see people talking about how horrible the world is. Oh, it's just mm -hmm. a big. Mm -hmm. Piss pot. Yeah. Excuse the, the, yeah, the language. Yeah. But people say that and worse about the state of the world today. Mm. But I can't get in line with that. Mm. When I feel inherently, when I feel that most people are good, how can I say that the world is so bad? Mm. Of course, there's bad. There's, mm -hmm. there's a lot of bad things going on. But I do believe there's more good in the world than bad. Am so I naive? I. No, I, I you completely agree? agree with you. And I think it's very, I mean, I've I've had times in my life where uh, and recently, in in February this year, with yeah. what happened with, in Ukraine, yes. my son was freshly out of his year in the military, and I suddenly my creative mind went to worst case scenario, and I was thinking, oh my God, it's going to be World War Three. My son's going to have to go and f go back into the army, and he's going to have to start fighting. I, you know, and I actually was almost crippled by it, and yeah. didn't want to leave my house. Yeah. I think a lot of people felt that way too. Um, it's a scary thing happening there in, in very, Ukraine. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you saw, I don't know how much you keep up with the daily news, but did you yeah. see Putin's uh, speech 
a couple three days ago. No, I've had to switch it off, otherwise I get too. That's probably the smartest thing to do. And if, if there's a downside to me doing this program, it's that I kind of have to stay plugged in for mm. those guests who come mm-hmm. in who want to talk about social or political yeah. things. But is this po- the, n- the nuclear threat? Well, yeah, yeah. That, he, 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 he talked about nuclear... Uh, uh, nuclear uh, um, armaments in a way that was, I mean, he's a creepy guy, but it was a little extra scary mm. the way he talked about it in the speech that he gave a few days ago. And uh, and now he's mobilized, a, a semi-mobilization. He's, I think he's looking to bring in, what they say, 300,000 more soldiers and whatnot. And it's just this escalating of something that we can hardly imagine that it can be worse than what it is, and yet here it is being escalated. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you have, you know, you have you have children who are at that age where if it touches Norway, all of a sudden. Well, that was the thing because they're we, involved, we border know. with Russia. Isn't that that's a little scary? Yeah, we have our home and, and a lot of friends and family up there in Finnmark. Oh, and it's right next right there. to it. Yeah. 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 And, I, and I think because Christopher had been in the military, it just brought home to me. I mean. That was the the year national service, but you yeah. know, for the people that do have kids yeah. in the military, our daughter just even... got her letter yesterday. Oh, did she? Is she going to go? Well, uh, you know, I have to admit, I'm not all that familiar. I mean, I have my military background from mm. the states, U.S. Marines, right? Uh, so right. I don't really know how that works here. But she did get her letter. Mm-hmm. Uh, she can that, sort of too. She can say. They'll ask her, how much do you want to do this? So she yeah. can go, I don't really want to do this. And there's so many that do want to that yeah. she'll probably be yeah. kind of like... I think she's leaning, without putting her personal life out there, I think she's leaning towards not wanting to yeah. do very much. My daughter much. didn't just want not to her do thing. either. No, no, no. no. She's... Um, I always tell my daughter, I tell our daughter and our son, I, they, they can do whatever they want, but it must have a stable income because when I get old... I'm going to be very expensive for my kids, <laughs> adult diapers and, and, and the demands that I'm going to put on them as an old man. So do what you want, but it better be lucrative. I'm going to, I'm expensive. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, um, no, but I, I do believe I, we, I, we digress a little bit, but I do believe that there's more good in the world out there than, than there is bad. Uh, not to be naive about what is bad because there yeah. are bad things. And I do mm. believe that most people are good. Well, also there's that feeling of what can I do about it? What can I personally do about it on my own? And the answer is you can't. There's nothing you can do to stop Putin from doing what he's doing yourself individually. So how am I then going to feel better about myself and feel that I am in some way contributing? Um, Does it mean going to help uh, refugees? What what can I do? And I think it's to focus more on the individual things that you can do. Otherwise, you get so overwhelmed by the world. Overwhelmed by the world. There's a song. Yeah, that's a good album (laughs) cover, album title, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You know, you, you, you become... I become so anxious and so overwhelmed and so... So you've kind of just... I had to remove yourself from that daily influx of yeah because bad I'm news. I'm so empathic I feel yeah. so deeply for people I can't bear to to watch the news because it's just so harrowing I mean in the beginning seeing babies being passed onto trains to get out of there I mean I couldn't believe I was witnessing that and it wasn't like 1939 you know well that's the thing it's brought that ugly history from 70 75 years ago and it's put it in our lap today. Mm. And, and I have to say, I know I'm reacting to it differently because I'm here in Norway and not back at home in the yeah. USA. Yeah. Um, one thing I'm doing, uh, and, and 
again, I'm fortunate to be able to work with some good musicians. Um, my friend Henning and I are working on a project. We don't know how many song it's, songs it's going to be, but it's going to be an album. We might even have a video slash television element to this, but we're writing about war in general, right. inspired by, if there's inspiration to be found in the situation in Ukraine, uh, he came up with the idea and he had a block of songs and mm-hmm. challenged me to, to, or invited me to put lyrics on it. Mm. So it's this feeling of, you know, and we don't know how it's going to contribute. We may try to combine it with some kind of charity thing or something, but it's our little thing that we're doing to, to, to get involved. Yeah. So that should be coming out relatively soon. That's great. I mean, that's you know? if you're act- actively doing something and creating something and you're making some sort of difference. Yeah, and I, and maybe in this in the scope of things, it's not going to be that much of a difference, but it makes me it doesn't feel matter. Feel it, that's good. what I mean. Can it I be selfish a little bit and yeah, feel yeah. good because I'm doing this in the hopes that it could possibly someday maybe be applied to some sort of charity movement totally. that can do something. Yeah. That's much better than sitting here and not leaving your home because you're crippled with fear well, and go. overwhelmed by the awful things you're seeing exactly. on the news. Again, art uh, is a therapeutic thing yeah. for me, yeah. very much so. Mm. Okay, so the second thing I need you to do, now I asked you, I did the three sentence, thing, I, or the three word I thing. I'm not finished with the scary stuff. Another <laughs> no, one. One, one more thing, <laughs> and this, this is the last thing before we finish. And, and again, thank you so much for being here. Um, I'm, I feel like I'm a better person now that I've gotten to know you you've added something to my life i think you're quite this here we go and i'm gonna go back and and read the other things that you've put out there but this is quality work i can tell already just from looking at the first three chapters that that uh that i was able to get uh so i want to tell everybody again the hall of the mountain king um beautiful cover the first three chapters are fantastic and i know it's gonna just it's gonna pull you in one thing I have to complain about, you know, okay, I, I, I need glasses. Oh. I don't have them, but yeah, I need so them. so do I. And Does it feel could, small could, to you? Couldn't it? Does it? Yeah. A little bit, a little, yeah. little bit, maybe. What we did was we, we matched <laughs> I'm t- I'm it. No, 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 I'm totally, I can't see a thing. I've got lenses <laughs> in today. We matched it exactly to the paperback of the Strawberry Girl. So okay. That well, was the smart. model I went on. Brand recognition. Uh, yeah. Some, <laughs> somebody to, in an office somewhere with your publisher. Trying to keep them all similar. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, but uh, yeah. No, but it's uh, this is a lovely piece of work. I know it already, uh, oh. and I can't wait to jump into it. I'm going to start on it already tonight. Oh, that's so nice, John. Thank you. You're, you're welcome. <clears throat> uh, you deserve all the success in the world, and I believe oh. the su- that success is going to manifest it, manifest itself in many ways going oh, forward. I just know you. it. I know it. I know things, okay? But um, here's the last thing I would like to ask of you. Again, uh, back to this thing about you being someone who uh, motivates me, inspires me, and I feel that I can learn things from you. Um, can you, I feel that you can easily do that for my guests, or I'm sorry, for my listeners and my uh, viewers, by saying something that they can carry with them as they listen to these last minutes of this of this episode, can you say something to motivate people as they walk through this thing called life mm. with all of its challenges? Again, more beauty than, than evil, but the evil is out there. It is a distracting factor. Is there something you can say to help people get through it? Ooh. I think there is something you I can hope you're say. not expecting I'm something challenging. really profound. And like- <laughs> <laughs> we're all... We're all we- no, I... I 
I believe that you can be a source of inspiration for people, uh, uh, especially for creators, with you being the creator that you are. Just from what I've learned and my own experiences, I would say um, absolutely all the time, 100% unapologetically express your own unique individuality. Hold on to that. And you meant that. You said absolutely 100% unapologetically. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only thing that can carry you through. If you yeah. try, if you spend your life trying to be someone else, that's not going to yeah. work. If you spend your life being very insecure about who you actually are, that's not going to work. Um, until you can just sort of stand in who you are and express that, especially creatively, then that's the only time, you know, once you've figured that out and you yeah. just go for it. You'd be surprised how many people, I'm sorry to say this, couldn't give a shit. You know, it's like you spend so much time worrying, worrying, yeah. is this going to be all right? Will people like it? Will people, some, half the time people, they don't have an opinion, yeah. you know, that that's it. You know, so you, you can stop yourself yeah. from doing almost anything uh, yeah. by beating yourself up, questioning yourself, imposter syndrome, all of those things yeah. for years. Yeah, Case in point, uh, like I say, over 10, 12 years, I had so many starts and stops to this book project because often I was wondering, well, what are people going to think? Yep. You know, who is who, who's John Allen think he is? Who wants to hear that story? Yeah. Call yourself a writer. Right. You know, yeah. well, you know, and the answer is I want to hear that story. Yeah. So once I've That's written it, I've enough. already won. And then if other people can get into it and get something out of it, all the better. And they will. And they, I hope so. They will. I hope so. Well, you said it and I, I, I said, I respect you and I'm inspired. So you must be right. I then. know if that you said, in the same way as you know that. that <laughs> well, they, that's right gonna back work. at me, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I, I, um, I'm so glad that you're here. Um, I want to wish you luck going forward, but, uh, Will you give me updates? Oh, yeah. Will you let me know uh, how will. it's going? Uh, now, you ha you're going to have a, uh, is it a book signing? I'm having an online book launch, which you're very welcome to launch. come yeah. to. And so is anybody else listening to this. How do we find it? You can find that. I'll put it on my website after this, but it's currently on Facebook and on okay. my Facebook page. In fact, it's on my in my author Facebook page, too. So you'll find it there. I'll link, can, I'll link to that in the episode yeah. description so you guys can find it very easily. Um, and... Thank goodness for the wonders of the internet that yeah. you can do this online. If you if you link to that Facebook um, link that sends them to, they basically, you can basically put your email in and come along. It's a Zoom call, really easy. Yeah. And when you do that, you get the chance to win a free signed copy of the book. Oh, how about, did you sign this one? I did. I oh. wrote you a little note in there, John. Did you? Okay, well, yeah. all right. Well, I, have to <laughs> I have to dig through it then. <laughs> I'm hoping I'll find someone one day that will just let me draw all over it and deface it and do <laughs> flowers. And, oh, well, I just feel so nervous that I'm spoiling it in some way. But <laughs> well, this uh, again, I, I wish you all the luck going thank forward. You. I'm going to be there for the for the yes, Zoom call. Uh, and, and people, take advantage of the simplicity of the Internet and Zoom. Get in on this. Uh, get involved. Um, uh, is, is, it, is it a little daunting at times to think that you're creating a follow a following? <laughs> the F is, word. is there anyone out there? <laughs> yeah. Well, but, but, but there yeah. comes a certain amount of responsibility with that. You know, you kind of have to continue because mm. there's people waiting mm. for you to create yeah. more. 
Yeah, I, How does that feel? Well, having had the experience I've had where I've waited and waited mm. and waited, I think it's just lovely that there are people yeah. there that I can talk yeah. to and build a relationship yeah. with because that's what this is all about. You know, yeah. It's not about um, money and books. It's about it's the connections, me and you. The relationships. And, yeah, yeah. yeah, and I, I love all of that. I, what I really don't enjoy <sighs> is the social media tech aspect of it you know do you, do you have someone who does that for you are you hands-on with all of that i'm looking to recruit someone to do that now it's, because it's a, I've, it's, a, it's a big job it, it is it's a 24 hours a day job i lost uh, all of my meta accounts uh oh, okay. face, facebook and instagram yeah. and in a way it was a blessing because yeah. when it was gone and i couldn't yeah. do it any i, I got oh. hacked that's what oh. happened and my immediate reaction was well doggone it this sucks but almost right away, I started to realize how simple life was that I didn't mm. have to. Yeah, you didn't have now, of it. course, it hurt me when it yeah. comes to marketing and I've got to build my audience back. It's not easy to find, you know, of course, friends and family. I found them on Facebook mm -hmm. and Instagram. But some of the other people who are a little bit more distant, you, you can't just remember everyone's. No, this is why they say that your email <sighs> Thank you. community that, is the most important thing because then it doesn't matter what happens on, on social that, media. Yeah, and that I believe is going to be a great benefit of me putting the subscription out to me reading each chapter because I'll be gathering yeah, email address and building an audience. But even that, to actually give away your email address and to actually commit to something, people are <sighs> terrified of doing that. They are. Um, they are. So we have to build so, trust. Like for as, the Zoom call, just come. It's just yeah, me. I'm not scary. Yeah, I'm not going to abuse yeah. you. I'm not going to spam you. I haven't got the energy to spam people. No, I, no. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't write more than one email to people a month. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say your newsletter is basically yes. once a month, yes. right? And, yeah. and, and, in a lot of ways, once a month is pretty good because you're not bothering people, no. but you have that one time every month yeah. to update them yes. on everything yeah. interesting that you've yeah. been doing. Exactly. So, you know, my subscription, you know, will be once a week for the, right. for the for reading, the but yeah, the, the newsletter once a month. Yeah. But of course, we want as many people to opt into that. And it is simple. It's just giving your email address and we'll take the responsibility mm -hmm. as a creators to remind you that we're here by mm -hmm. sending you that content yeah. once a month. Yeah. You know, so the, yeah. I, I have learned the, the power of having my own platform. I will never again rely on another platform. I need yeah. to own that platform. Yeah. I can't have this happen to me again. Yeah. You want direct conversation with well, people who yeah, are interested exactly. in what you're doing. You don't want the algorithms. Damn those algorithms. Yeah, yeah, Oof, down yeah. with algorithms. Down with it. I call them malgorithms. <laughs> Thank you. That's even better. <laughs> <laughs> They've got some bad kind of intent. <laughs> well, I uh let's just wind it off by saying yeah. that this this is this has lifted me up. Oh, me too. I'm motivated. I'm gonna write me a little too. bit better now because I'm of this. Go and, write some more. and and um everybody who is a creator out there, if you've got that creative spirit, uh don't let go of that. There's a lot of things out there. Now I'm talking to you directly in the camera. There's a lot of things out there that can pull you away from that creative source. If you let it, you don't have to let that happen. Tap into the joy that you get from creating and keep creating. Right? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. It's not simple. It's not easy, but it is easy and it is simple. Mm -hmm. It's both. Mm -hmm. Just mm -hmm. do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Keep creating. All right. 
Lisa, thank thanks you. again. I think thank I've said thank you a thousand me. times. Uh, me too. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks for being here. I want to also thank you for listening and watching. Remember, in the description of this episode, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on a podcast platform, you'll see several links where you can connect with Lisa on her Facebook page and on her webpage. And there's several links where you can con- connect with me on my webpage and uh, contribute to help support the work that I do. I really appreciate it. Go out there and love, be loved in return, and enjoy the process. Bye now.